This is the sermon podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 9 a.m. or 11.15 a.m. This is Lord of Life. There is a place for you here. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. The first lesson is from the ninth chapter of Isaiah. There will be no gloom for those who were in anguish. In the former time, the Lord brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he will make glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. The second lesson is from 1 Corinthians, the first chapter. Now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in agreement, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same purpose. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there are quarrels among you, my brothers and sisters. What I mean is that each of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Has Christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one can say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to proclaim the gospel, and not with eloquent wisdom, so that the cross of Christ might not be emptied of its power. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The gospel today comes from Matthew, the fourth chapter, and you'll hear echoes in it from that first reading from Isaiah. Now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled, land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, 
And for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. Ruth and I sometimes watch uh, Antiques Roadshow to dream of all the stuff we don't have. But one day we were watching it and they showed uh, this print that apparently had been commissioned by a railroad company. Um, it, it, it depicted the Grand Canyon. And, and they apparently um, uh, commissioned artists to make these prints of the various destinations where they went to. And the thought was that they would hang in the uh, train stations and you'd go to buy a ticket to Hoboken, but you'd, you'd see the Grand Canyon and go, oh man, I'll go, I'm gonna go there instead. And, uh, and they showed this print and Ruth and I looked at each other. I went into the living room and we looked at what was hanging on our wall and said, huh. And it turns out we got one of those. And it's worth $7,000. And I thought, finally, a retirement plan. <laughs> we were kind of excited about it for a little bit until we actually started thinking about but what can we actually do with this? If I put it in a garage sale, I'll be lucky to get 25 bucks for it. Maybe I can put it on eBay. eBay is fabulous. You can sell anything on eBay and people have sold anything on eBay. I remember seeing a story about someone who um, sold their soul on, on eBay and got $6.60 from his former girlfriend which made me wonder and fear for that soul. And, you know, but, but like it or not, he found out exactly what his soul was worth. It's, it's, the, it's free commerce. You know, it, it's, law, it's the law of supply and demand. Something is worth exactly what you will pay for it. Something is worth exactly your desire or your need for that thing. Um, Paul, in that reading from 1 Corinthians that you just heard, he talks about the good news, the, the, the gospel, being foolishness to some and the power of God to others. And I think maybe in saying that, he's getting at this 
this free market idea. Because when, when both Jesus and John the Baptist began their ministry, they started by proclaiming, repent for the kingdom of God has come near. They used that as a way of initiating and framing their ministry. And throughout scripture, the kingdom of God is uh, described in many different ways, but one thing that is consistent throughout it is that it is depicted as something in which our notions of wealth and power and value just simply don't apply. It talks about you know, the humble being exalted and the exalted being humbled, the, the hungry being fed and the well-fed becoming hungry. There is this great leavening in which everyone seems to end up on the same footing. Sometimes this kingdom is described as a great feast that is laid out And then the doors are thrown open and everyone is invited to come. And it sounds like a great deal. It sounds like the, the proverbial free lunch until you start to kind of think through the details. If you've ever been involved in uh, 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 planning charitable events or something, and like you're, you're going to provide like a free neighborhood fair or something, every now and then you'll hear someone say, well, you probably ought to charge at least a dollar because it'll keep the riffraff out. And the problem with this meal being offered and the doors being thrown open is that that means just anyone can come in. And so you have to think who it is you might end up sitting next to. Are you going to end up sitting next to that guy who cuts you off in traffic and then flips you off? Are you going to end up sitting next to the person that needs to replace their muffler and feels they need to make a statement at one in the morning when they hit the gas going in front of your house? Are you going to be sitting next to someone who abuses his wife, a woman who abuses her kids? Are you going to be sitting next to one of these Americans who fights alongside the Taliban? Are you going to be sitting next to, you know, fill in the blank, whatever it is you don't like? Because when those doors are thrown open, I don't know how the table's going to be set or exactly where we're going to be sitting, but I got a feeling that the people who are going to be there the ones who are going to come through those doors are the ones who want this. The ones who need this. When Jesus begins calling his disciples, we're told that he goes to the area around the Sea of Galilee, referred strangely by Matthew referred to as the land of Zebulun and Naphtali. I say strangely because it hadn't been known by that for over a century. 
It used to be known as the land of Zebulun and Naphtali before the Assyrians invaded. And they conquered that area and carried them off into exile. So the tribes of Zebulon and Naphtali were the first ones to lose their land, to lose their freedom, to lose everything, and to be taken off into exile. And it's here that Jesus goes to begin calling his disciples. And I wonder if maybe that is because this is the area that had suffered the longest. This is the area that perhaps more than anywhere else knew what it was to be humiliated. This was the area that needed what he was selling. You know, the old proverbial, you know, selling ice in, in Antarctica. You, you try to sell ice in Antarctica, it looks pretty foolish. But you take that same ice into downtown Atlanta in the middle of the summer, and all of a sudden, you're looking pretty shrewd. All of a sudden, you've got some power. Jesus calls these disciples, and the first one he calls is Peter. And we all know who Peter is. And perhaps the reason we know him best of all the disciples is because of how gloriously disastrous he was. He was the one who wanted to be the best disciple. He was the one who wanted to understand first. He was the one who threw himself body and soul into following Jesus, and he was the one who failed. Once, twice, three times, you are out. But where does Jesus go after the resurrection? He tells his disciples, go find Peter. Go find Peter and tell him the good news. At that moment when he had failed so miserably, all Peter had to offer was his need. And it's... It, it, it's paradoxical, or I'm not quite sure if that's the right word, but the more you need the kingdom of God, the more precious it becomes until finally at your moment of greatest need, you can least afford it. And then here comes this rabbi announcing that it's free. Taking what you need most and giving it to you for free. Jesus, in downtown Atlanta, selling shaved ice for free. How foolish. Ah, but it is the power of God. It is the way God 
redeems everything. And that everything includes you. And whatever need it is that you have brought with you here today. We begin these services with confession. For the same reason that John the Baptist and Jesus began their ministries by saying, Repent! For the kingdom of God has come near. And repent is just another way of saying, recognize your need. Take a moment to understand the desire you have, the need that you have for grace, for forgiveness, for redemption. These are now yours for free. It's foolishness to some, but how wonderful to the rest of us. Amen.